not only welcome you to the latest edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast, but we can also say today, June 21st, we welcome you to summer. That's right. Officially, today is the first day of summer. Kyle Alfring and Ray Flowers with you. And Ray, that's always one of those things with the seasons where you feel like, wait a second, hasn't it been summer for like a month? But I, I guess officially June 21st is the day. Yeah, I saw a little, uh, I follow Peanuts on Twitter and I saw the little uh, happy, you know, summertime or whatever. And it's like, oh, I'll tell you, we've had some wild weather here. We've talked about it. Um, you know, we, we had a day that was 95 and then it was, you know, the day before that it was 70. It went 70 to 95 to 70. And I know for you, that's very normal. It's not normal for us Californians. Well, just yesterday, Ray, we were in the upper 90s. I guess about 95, 96. Today, the high is like 71. Wow. It's a big flip-flop. That is a Huge big. flip-flop for the first day of summer. Today is also, uh, because it is summer solstice, uh, today is also, I guess you could say, the longest day in terms of daylight hours mm. of the year. And that reminds me, Ray, up in Alaska, um, I think tonight's the night that they play the uh, the midnight baseball game. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, because because they've got like 22 hours of light up there um, on a day like today. So that that is one baseball event. Like, I got to get to the Field of Dreams. I got to get to Omaha for the College World Series. Maybe I should put on my bucket list to get up to Alaska for the midnight baseball game. That'd be quite, I mean, it's so bizarre to think that there's long periods of time where it doesn't really get dark. Was months, right? It's like <laughs> months where it doesn't really get dark. It's... Uh, It'd be an interesting sight to be uh, sitting out there at 1 a.m. watching a baseball game. That would be fun, something. Yep, yep. Well, today we're not going to be here until midnight unless you're maybe downloading this at midnight. I guess that's always possible. But we got a lot of things to get to. Um, it's the start of summer, and I guess to lead things off in our starting nine, it's also the start of Wander Franco's career. That's kind of good to hear. So, of course, we're going to start there with Franco being called up and set to make his debut on Tuesday in the two-hole we're going to talk about a couple of returns. Um, fingers crossed on Fernando Tatis Jr. and Jake DeGrom. Both guys planning to be out there on Monday night. Ray and I will talk about their immediate futures. In the three-hole, we'll talk about Denilson Lamette. Um, he pitches well, but does he pitch enough to be useful? That is a question. In the four-hole, we'll talk some news and notes. We'll get you a player profile of Kyle Schwarber in the five-spot. Batting sixth today, we'll check in on the SiriusXM Host League. Talk about some of the winning waiver bids from last night. Over at the seven spot, we'll check in on Rob Povia's article over at Fantasy Guru talking about the weekly planner and some of the highlights there. In the eight hole is the random reference. And as usual, we'll close things down with the stamp of approval. Ray, we start in the leadoff spot. It's very easy uh, to come up with our first topic today. It's finally here. Um, it's time to cash in the stash, if you will. Uh, Wander Franco is with us. He will make his major league debut, it appears, on Tuesday night and let the excitement finally begin for Franco. Absolutely, yeah. And um, it's so funny. I, I saw this news. I was eight minutes late uh, yesterday. Darn it. It happened and I just happened to... Luckily, I actually clicked on my phone because I was in the middle of doing things and you know, got the news out there and retweeted the, the preseason player profile scouting report of, of Franco. But it was funny that I saw like general, general jubilation Right. Like people were like f doing flips and this is all oh, hasn't played a game. Let's see how it goes first before we all think that we just won the lottery. But uh, seems like everyone thinks they won the lottery. Uh, let's talk about that player profile. What are we getting in Franco? I mean, anybody who's kind of followed it, even if you don't watch the minor leagues or you don't pay attention to the minor league numbers. 
I mean, we're running on two years, Ray, of him being the top prospect in all of baseball. Yeah. So that's that's kind of a rare spot for a guy to be hanging out at. Um, he's still incredibly young. I mean, just 20 years old. Um, he's going to come to the Rays, and I guess, you know, he's a switch hitter with multiple positions that he can play, and, and we know how the Rays are, are going to love that. I mean, being able to move him all over the place, the righty-lefty stuff, he'll probably jump around a bit in the lineup, but... In general, Ray, um, what sells everybody on Wander Franco as a hitter? I think that Wander Franco, and this is, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because we know this. We know that he is the number one hitting prospect. We know that he's hit everywhere he's been. So the assumption is he'll hit at the big league level. Now, just to throw it out there, we've talked about it so many times. Mike Trout, the greatest player of our generation, hit 210 as a rookie. Okay. So, you know, it's not a 100% lock that Brantley hits. If Brantley hits as expected, I think that, you know, it's reasonable to say the rest of the season he could hit, you know, 285, 290, that he could hit 12 to 15 home runs. Uh, I think that a reasonable expectation for him, if everything goes right, is kind of Michael Brantley, which, again, is a very good player. I don't know how many people get overly excited about Brantley, but I think that's a very good target for Franco. Remember, that's if everything goes right. It's, it's quite possible that, obviously, there's some stutters and all that kind of stuff, but what we know with Franco is that he controls the strike zone. He doesn't, he doesn't strike out. He makes great levels of contact, and yeah. he is an excellent switch hitter, as you noted. He's got all the tools for immediate success. We'll see. You know, digging into him, Ray, and coming across, you know, comps and all that stuff, um, I, I heard a good one. And a lot of it may have to do with the fact that these two players, Franco and the guy I'm going to talk about, are actually from the same neighborhood. Uh, but one of the comps thrown out there, and this is not for this year. This is kind of what his career could be like, um, was Jose Ramirez. You know, another guy who's a switch hitter, um, who has some power, obviously hits for average. He's right there in the middle of the, the Indians lineup. Um, you know, he's kind of a stocky dude. Franco's a little more on the stockier side. Not Vlad Guerrero's stocky, but, you know, kind of short and, and thick, if you will. And amazingly, Ray, from the same neighborhood in the Dominican. It's, <laughs> it's insane that you could get two guys like Jose Ramirez and Wander Franco from the same spot. Very much so. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that that comp, too, because... I, correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle, but when, when Jose was coming up, Ramirez, I don't think many people said that guy was a 30 home run hitter. No, no but he was yeah. up. I think Ramirez, and I'll confirm this, I yeah. think he was up at the age of 20, though. Yeah. He, he wasn't a superstar prospect. Yeah, right, You're right. totally right there, but he was a young call up for the Cleveland Indians. Yeah. And, it, you know, I mean, obviously. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Wander Franco is the, is that player. If that will satisfy everyone, as crazy as that sounds, <laughs> I hope it does. I, I, I hope it does too. But you know, people want this guy to be a top five hitter in baseball, not number fourteen. Ah, um, I mean, again, yes, like you're saying, as he develops, maybe that's just it's too much to expect that now. It's too much to expect Michael Brantley now. I mean, if, if I'm being honest, he, the guy is twenty years old and three months. He can't legally drink. I say this all the time, and I know people push it aside, but doesn't have 200 plate appearances above a baseball and he's 20 every time this guy has played every game. I think, I think it's fair to say every game this guy has ever played in his entire life. He's been the best player on the field. It's different when you get to the major leagues because every other guy was the best player on their field growing up, right? It's different. The level of competition goes through the roof and natural talent and dedication and work. And that takes you extremely far, of course, but there is the game of adjustments and Wander hasn't, I mean, he's adjusted, but you know, my point, Kyle, he hasn't had to adjust as much as he's going to at the big league level. And we'll see, does he get rolled over a little bit like Trout did at the start? Does he immediately take off? I mean, there, there's all kinds of outcomes here. 
I'm just excited to see how he does because it really doesn't seem like he's going to fail. Yeah, I mean, expectations are through the roof. Um, he'll be playing on the game Tuesday night. It is against Boston. And Ray, he's going to be in the lineup. They didn't call him up to not play. And I would suspect every single day he's going to be in this lineup. But where this becomes interesting, uh, certainly from a fantasy perspective, too, is how it affects everybody else in the Rays lineup. Um, because as I noted, this is a guy that can move around. So you can see him at short. You can see him at third. Maybe there's some second base, obviously DH. But I mean, you look at, you know, Brandon Lau, you look at Joey Wendell, you look at Taylor Walls. I mean, even Yandy Diaz, like his call up, Franco coming up really affects three or four players for the Rays. And most of those guys are owned in fantasy leagues right now. Yeah. And, you know, the problem, the problem that we'll run into, and I, I expect it to actually be a problem is that the Rays will mix and match and match and match and mix and match. And they might do one thing it looks like they're locked in, and then all of a sudden they flip it and do something different. Like, they, they, they will do what they believe is the right way to go. Home away, lefty righty, you know, fast, you know, high, high velocity, you know, off-speed pitching. I mean, everything. They, they throw it all into the hopper, and as we have seen for a couple of years now in particular, it really works. So we can't debate what they're doing as being the right thing to do. We don't necessarily know what that means. And, you know, I, you and I have talked about this a lot with so many young players that, you know, that Wander Franco has the pressure of the world on his shoulders. And some guys take that pressure and they blast through. It doesn't matter. Other guys, it comes a little bit of a struggle, right? Like I always talk about Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds had the entire world hating him. Everyone thought he was a cheater. People were throwing things at him, screaming obscenities at him. And Barry Bonds would go out there and blast line drives all over the field. Just didn't matter. He just focused and did his thing. Does Wander Franco have the ability to tune that other stuff out? I don't know. We'll find out. But I don't want the Rays to put more on his shoulder. And I say that because I don't want to play in second base today. I don't want to play in shortstop tomorrow. I don't want to play in third base next week. I, I don't know what their plan is, but I hope it isn't that, Kyle. Yeah, if you look at his uh, AAA marks, I guess he's had three games at second. He's had seven at third, and he's had 30 at shortstop. So they obviously wanted to be a shortstop. I think overall, they probably wanted that second too. I think he's pretty well been locked into the number two hole for Durham at triple A. And the numbers are uh, pretty damn incredible in 40 games at triple A this year. You're talking about a guy with a 315 average. The OPS is 950. Um, he's got seven homers, 11 doubles, six triples, 35 ribbies, uh, 30 runs scored. And Ray, he's even thrown in five stolen bases. It's I don't think he's going to be a 25, 30 steal kind of guy, but honestly, the expectation is a five category contributor with Wander Franco. Yeah, it absolutely is. And it's a very fair expectation. And you're right about the, the stolen base piece. The stolen base and the home run pieces are the two that we love in the fantasy game that we're, we're looking for and we're salivating over the potential with. But, you know, I mean, again, right now he's a 15, 20 home run guy, I think. Right now he's probably a 10 steal guy. Now we were. It's interesting that this we were. This is talking, all very unexciting. Right? I know. Well, I know. I I said Michael Brantley again. I don't know how many people got it pumped up by that, but I think it's very interesting because we were talking recently about Glaber Torres, and Glaber Torres had not the same hype or anything like that, but a very similar outlook when he started his big league career. And Glaber Torres went out and almost hit forty home runs. So these guys can adjust quickly, right? The, the talent is there for Wanda Franco to be a special player. So don't anyone listen to what I've just said the last 10 minutes and think I'm downing the guy. I'm just saying, let's, let's be reasonable here. But it is certainly possible that he explodes. He does have the talent to do it. Well, and uh, just to go back to Ramirez, he did debut at age 20. He was almost 21, though, back on September 1st of 2013. I think he was like two weeks shy of turning 21. But uh, Ramirez way back in 2013, uh, debuting with the Indians. Again, Tuesday night is the night. 
Um, I think I saw this morning that uh, MLB.com, uh, if you go there, you can watch the game for free. They're going to have it streaming everywhere. So oh, for free? I wow. think so. It's totally free. Right? They're embracing uh, a high player. Yeah. yeah. I think you get to watch that on, online, of course. Um, and, and who knows, maybe the television side will have it as well. But certainly excitement. He's the guy that, honestly, people have been waiting to see for well over a year now, and we'll get to see it on Tuesday night. Now, moving to the second spot in our starting nine, Ray, um, Monday night might be more pertinent to, to many fantasy players out there because later this evening, uh, we are expecting the return of Jake DeGrom and Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, over the weekend, Tatis Jr. Uh, getting injured with a shoulder, didn't play on Sunday, but they swear to us that he's totally fine and he'll be in the lineup on uh, Monday night against the Dodgers and Ray, it's kind of the same thing with Jake DeGrom. They swear to us. He's fine. He's been doing all this stuff on the side. And I guess now we just uh, flip on the TV, turn on the radio, whatever it is. And we wait and see for DeGrom and Tatis tonight. Yeah. Um, I, 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 you know, try to back off a little bit of sitting there. Cause you know, we all have a life, right? I try not to sit there and watch hours upon hours in a row of baseball. You try to see your significant other and all that kind of stuff tonight. I'm watching, man. Like this is, I have my fingers crossed, double crossed, triple crossed, my toes are crossed. Like, I don't know how this is going to go. And, you know, you and I talked about it on the weekend over at SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio. We're on Friday nights from 10 to 12 Eastern and then on Saturdays and Sundays from 3 to 5. And we talked all about these two guys because, you know, everything, the news is breaking and everything. And I, I don't see how this works for either one, <laughs> to be honest. I'm very nervous. Uh, but let's keep our, again, let's keep our fingers crossed. I, it doesn't make any sense to me how these teams are treating these two players, given the importance of these players to their organization and given the obvious scenario that's playing out that both guys are not healthy. Now, can you can you make it, like in the case of Tatis, you just got to go until he can't go anymore, really. We've talked about it on and on. The shoulder is going to need surgery. I mean, it's just a matter of can he play through it. DeGrom, it was the side, then it was the elbow, then it was the shoulder. I'm very nervous with both guys, Cal. Yeah, even if they make it through Monday unscathed, Ray, I know there will be, uh, I guess, victory laps for, for some people, but it's like, that's not even getting through the clear. Yeah, I mean, there, there's so the much. Yeah, yeah, it's like a good, great point, not even halfway, but like Tatis, it's at any moment, like literally, you know, the other night he dives for a baseball and, and I get it. He can feel fine and be back out there. I'm a little more understanding of him getting back onto the field immediately than I am DeGrom. It's just with pitchers, Ray. I mean, once something starts, barking once something starts to be an issue it usually just doesn't disappear mm -hmm. and and even then if it were to quote unquote disappear and he's fine usually there's got to be a shutdown or an il stint and we're getting none of that with Degrom. so hey good luck to him on monday but but ray by any stretch that doesn't mean they're in the clear and it's you know all full systems go for the remainder of 2021 yeah all you and i can do here uh, when it comes to the health of players is give our best guess on kind of how it's likely to play out we've got you know 35 years of experience doing this full-time or whatever it is now and we you know we've we've seen it all we were fans before we were involved in the industry so we have a good handle i think on the likely outcome of a bunch of events the likely outcome for both these guys is they don't make it through the rest of the season doesn't mean they can't it's just that's likely to be how it's going to play out and in the case of both players that would be, you know, their loss is huge if it happens. They're irreplaceable in the fantasy game. And the both guys' loss could be more than 10 days, right? It could be substantial, could be months, could be the season kind of thing. 
And I, I mean, you can't throw 99 miles an hour forever. We all know that. But in the case of DeGrom, like I said, it was the side and then it was the elbow. Then it was the shoulder. Like there's something wrong. Like something's wrong. So you can't just keep having these things happen. In the case of Tatis, we know exactly what it is. And as we have been saying for the last two and a half, three months now, this is going to be a management issue all season long. And at some point it could go the wrong direction. Well, and, and to further the point with DeGrom, let, let's say he's only okay tonight against Atlanta, you know, he's and, and right now he's been otherworldly this season. So let's say he's only okay. Some people, Ray, will say, okay, well, maybe he's a, a bit injured. Maybe he's not totally healthy. There are still other people out there, Ray, who will say, nah, nah, look at the calendar. What's today? Today's the day that Major League Baseball is really going to start cracking down on the, the spider tack. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why Jake DeGrom was it. So we may get to tonight's game and we don't really know what's going on because let's not forget that storyline is back with us as we begin, begin a, a new week as well. And what, since we have all this analytics now, what also could happen is DeGrom could go out and just have one of those nights tonight, mm-hmm. right? It's where he just doesn't have it. Like it could totally happen. It happens to everyone. It's been amazing. It hasn't happened to him to date. And he goes out there and his RPMs are down 200 and his velocity is down two miles an hour and everyone panics. And it's like, no, he just was one of those nights he didn't have it. So that's possible too, which was, is another reason that this is also complicated and confusing. Um, and, and we floated the idea and we had a long discussion about it on Sirius over the weekend. Like, do you trade these guys? And in particular, DeGrom, we even had a question where one of the guys um, asked me which either or Tatis or DeGrom. Remember we had DeGrom that for Tatis. Yeah. 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 That's like, yeah. but um, all we can do is inform people of what, again, is likely to happen, what the players are dealing with. And then people have to make their choice, but there's, there's so much swirling with pitching in general and then with DeGrom in particular, that, like I said, it'll be fascinating to see how it goes tonight. But, you know, unless he blows his arm out tonight, the story's not over. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, Ray, um, if he were to leave early tonight, surely the Mets would put him on the IL then. <laughs> well, <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> yeah, you know, I would hope. And I, we've talked about this, I think we mentioned here on the podcast. His last six starts, he's averaging 70 pitches. Yeah. I mean, you know, and you take the last outing out because he, you know, was, it was limited. He hasn't thrown more than 85 pitches since he returned from the first side issue. This guy's supposed to be the best pitcher in baseball and he can't throw 90 pitches in the game. I mean, <laughs> so they've already been treating him very carefully and it doesn't seem to be working. Well, let's move along to the three spot. Again, this all kind of connects, um, you know, the debut of Franco, the return of Tatis and DeGrom and, then, Ray, we've kind of got a, a combo storyline, um, an injured pitcher who really returned, I guess, two months ago. And um, we're seeing him, you know, every five or six days, but we're kind of getting some DeGrom treatment. You know, we're maxing out at 70 pitches. I want to talk about the case of Denilson Lamette of the Padres um, on Sunday against Cincinnati. Very solid effort. Five shutout innings, seven strikeouts, four hits, 81 pitches. Um, Ray, if it were only five innings in that start, maybe you don't look at it, but you start to look at Lamette, and this is a guy that before the year I didn't want. I wasn't interested in Nelson Lamette. I didn't see him able to survive with that arm injury and you know, able to make it from, from April, April to September. I just didn't buy it. Ray, he is out there. He is pitching well. The numbers are very good for Nelson Lamette, but for the fantasy owner, what are you getting if a guy, in effect, is – kind of clamped down at five innings. I, I, I kind of feel that's all you can get of Lamette right now. Well, you know, I'll say this. We were just talking about health and prognostication. I didn't expect him to make it this far, to be honest. Now, I also didn't expect them to treat him like a middle reliever who was an opener. I mean, we're, we're, we're almost, we're getting close to halfway through the year. He's got two victories. Who cares? 
Like he's thrown 32 innings. Who cares? Like, I don't, you're playing the game of we're starting a guy where there's obviously no chance of getting a save and his outlook for getting a victory can't be better than 50, 50. Cause he barely can throw five innings. I mean, he's thrown five innings, two of his last three starts. Okay. Those are the only two times this season he's done that. So only twice in 10 outings has he even thrown enough innings to qualify for a victory. So this is not me downing the guy again. I'm surprised he's been this good, but there's not even a 50-50 chance he throws five innings because it's not just the innings they're watching with him. It's the pitch count. He hits 75 pitches and alarm bells start going off. Like it's, you know, and he's going to miss bats. You know, he's not going to pitch to contact like Kyle Hendricks. So he's going to miss bats. The pitch count's naturally just going to go up. If they're not going to let him throw more than 70, 75 pitches, he can't throw more than five innings. Just not going to happen because that's yeah. just not who he is. So, I mean, I, I, we're again, we're so deep into the season and they really haven't changed the way they're using him that it makes me think that this is the way they're going to continue to use him. So it's very tough to, to feel good about his fantasy outlook at the moment. Yeah, I mean, there's always this uh, question of, um, you know, trade high or buy low, all this stuff. But like with Lamette, and, and I know, hey, we're not supposed to give up pitchers if they're healthy because, oh my God, you get a healthy pitcher, you better hold on to them, you know, and grasp them and, and never give them away. But I look at Lamette, Ray, and it's like, I have no problem flipping him. And, and maybe someone gets excited about yesterday. Maybe they're excited. I mean, the last, you look at this month of June, he's allowed... I guess six earned runs in 18 innings, which is nothing special. But again, the overall numbers, you're looking at a 280 ERA. He's well over a strikeout per inning. Um, you know, he's had multiple games with just one or zero runs allowed. A, a lot of that can be misleading to a fellow owner. You, you can make good on those kind of foolish numbers, I think. Yeah, you can. And, you know, I, I think you absolutely could. Um, the, the issue you run into is that, really i mean i was gonna say no one at fantasy guru is gonna buy any see any of this stuff and think he's throwing seven innings on 110 pitches next time out okay (laughs) someone else might you're right someone might and hey look it is possible that they have ramped him up extremely slowly they've had a plan all along and the plan all along said hey on july 1st if he makes it to july uh, july 1st he's going six innings and out yeah, we that turn could, them loose. Yeah, they, that could be the plan. It very well could. So, well, you know, but let's let's throw this out yeah. too. I mean, uh, the Weathers kid—they send him to AAA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I kind of think that's to protect them so that he can take over for Lamette probably mm-hmm. later in the summer. And this, you know, Mackenzie Gore is probably going to be brought up at some point too. I mean, this was all kind of predicted going into the season. I think everybody needs to remember those predictions. They're they're going to use you know seven, eight, nine starting pitchers to get through this summer. Yeah, because, I mean, if you look at, like, he's generating more swings on pitches out of the strike zone than ever before. His swinging strike rate is better than ever before. His CSW is down a little bit, but it's over 30%. It's a strong number. His first pitch strike rate is down slightly from last year, but it's 64%. It's a very good number. Performance-wise, he's been really good for, for the most part, right? Walks still are an issue, and yeah, yeah. But really, performance-wise, he's been really good. Now, how much of that is, hey, kid, you've got 30 pitches go, right? So he just goes and lets it loose for two innings and they take him out. How much of it is that? How much of it is that he's back? And like you said, what is his workload going to be? They've got a lot of guys who, if you asked them before the season began, in ideal world, what happens here? They got a lot of guys that they'd probably say, we want them to throw 90 innings. They really, and, and you mentioned Gore, you mentioned Weathers, we're talking about Lamette. You can throw 90, 90, put it together. Guess what you get? You get 180. That's really good. Like, so if they can manage that for a spot in the rotation, they would absolutely take it. I just, I just think with Lamed, he's had multiple issues with his arm over the years. We all know the story. He's told it many times. He basically said if he went out there and had one more outing through one more pitch, the doctor <laughs> said his arm might fly off. I mean, that's what he said, right? So 
I just have a hard time envisioning this going the route of he's throwing six innings, he's making 18 starts the rest of the way, and everyone's mm-hmm. happy. Yeah, there's no safety with Denilson Lamette. As we go to the cleanup spot here, Ray, maybe there's no safety with Alberto Mondesi. Let's get some news huh. and notes out here. Huh. And, and Mondesi cropping up with another injury, and I, gosh, it might just be a repeat injury. It sounds like a side issue caused him to leave early on Sunday. It, you know, George Springer's had a rough go of it. Don't forget about Mondesi. These two guys who are fantasy stars um, have just not been able to find the, the first gear, the second gear, any gear this year. Uh, boy, it's been such a wasted year for Mondesi. And, and now I guess we're in a holding pattern again. And if it is a repeat oblique injury, mm-hmm. I mean, you're probably looking at at least a month for Mondesi. Yeah. And uh, I haven't seen anything other than the initial report um, that said, you know, it's side issue and all that. And it's funny because I were talking about what my Sunday was like. And I saw the, the Franco news. And then I went and did some more things. And then there was Mondesi. And I was like, I had to look at the tweet. And I was like, wait, this, oh, okay. This is a real, this is a beat writer. When's the date on this? Oh, crap. Like this, it's an hour old, right? Yeah. And uh, I just, yeah. I mean, luckily, um, the listeners, if they followed my advice with this guy, and I don't know if they did, because there wasn't, there were no, there were a few players that had more hype than Mondesi, right? But you and I, we had podcasts. I wrote about this. The guy is a horrible overall offensive player. The numbers last season are irrefutable. They're horrible. It's power speed and excitement in the fantasy game I get. I was out on Mondesi. I said, don't draft Mondesi. That price is crazy. Don't do it. So hopefully everyone removed themselves from that and doesn't, hasn't had to deal with this because, you know, it, it's one thing. It's same with Springer. Like you said, it's one thing to have a guy blow it out, right? You tear the ACL, the season's over. You tear your, your, your knee up, the season's over. To have the guy have 18 starts and stops yeah. and then have, like in Mondesi's case, He's performed really well. He's almost got an RBI game. He's hitting 360. His OPS is 1,200. Like, he's been great when he's on the field. But that's, that probably makes it even more frustrating. Let's hope that by, you know, by the time the listeners hear this, we get some clarification and it's no big deal. But I agree with you. It's looking like we could be talking about a substantial time away yet again. Yeah, I think it's a deal with, with Mondesi. And, and they haven't said IL, but maybe we get that news. Hopefully we do get that news so that those in weekly – leagues yeah. can, can move them off to the IL. That's always such an issue on Monday. And that kind of leads to Springer Ray. Um, it sounds like fingers crossed. Um, he's going to be back, I, I guess, Tuesday or so um, with the quad injury. So I guess you can activate them, send them out there. Um, it was notable that uh, the Blue Jays are kind of saying instead of George Springer being the leadoff guy, maybe more as a five, six hitter uh, when he first returns to this lineup. Yeah, I was wrong. You were right. I remember we had a talk and I said, ah, I think lead off. And you said, eh, like, so I it looks like they just couldn't disrupt that top. That top is so good. Like Simeon and all of them, right? It's like, I get it. Springer's a leadoff hitter, but those guys are just murdering the baseball at the top of the lineup. So the highest paid player on your team can't take a spot in the lineup. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm glad you made him the highest paid player on your team. Then it's a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah, it is, of course. Um, but yeah, in, that's not to say that in three weeks he's not hitting leadoff. It all depends how it goes. But yeah, the early reports are that he's going to hit fifth or sixth. And as you laid out previously, it makes a lot of sense given how the lineup is going, given who the players are. And frankly, you know, if if, Mon- if Springer has a few more RBIs and a few less runs scored, I mean, I don't think anyone at this point is going to complain as long as he's playing. As long as he's playing. Just, yeah. just let that hang out there as long. And he's done, I guess, three or four games at AAA. So... He's made it through the rehab, and again, he's due back this week with Toronto. A couple of other things as we uh, talk about injuries. Corey Seager had that broken hand. Um, he is set to start his rehab later this week. 
Uh, Brandon Nemo, he has started his rehab that began on Sunday. Michael Conforto is rehabbing. Um, Austin Gomber placed on the IL and Ray Carson Kelly placed on the IL. Gomber with a forearm and Kelly with a fractured wrist. Uh, neither of those guys were highly sought of on draft day, but both guys have, have managed pretty well. They're not stars. They're not saving anybody's season. But just a shout out to Gomber and Kelly, um, a pretty good year in 2021. But now everything's on pause for those two guys. Yeah, Gomber's had a couple of bad outings, including one that was awful. But overall, he's been very good. His numbers are still really good, even considering that one time he got obliterated. Uh, Vlad Sedler coined the term, he got, you got Gombered when a guy's a 10-run effort or whatever the hell it is. Um, he's been great given the expectations. And you know, you, you've got the chance to see him pitch. And you know, going to Colorado now, it's like, wow. Um, they're saying it's a minor issue. Let's hope it's right. Let's hope he's back in a couple weeks. But, you know, that's something to think about health-wise. And then, of course, you've got where he pitches and as the weather warms up, all that kind of stuff. Kelly started out, and he was one of the two or three best hitting catchers in baseball. And then he slowed down, which was expected. His overall number is still extremely good for the position. He's got the broken wrist. Uh, we don't know. Do you know how much time he's going to miss? Did you see? I haven't I didn't... seen him, but gosh, it's got to be. It's going to be a fractured wrist for a catcher. I mean, at least a month, I'm thinking. I was going to say four to six weeks is a minimum, yeah. too. Yeah, so it's, it's a substantial amount of time. The upshot of that is that Dalton Varsho was called up. And everyone at this point, I think, knows who Dalton Varsho is. Let's see if the player that we know he is shows himself at the big league level because that guy has not showed up. He struggled extensively now, limited sample size, but he's really struggled at the major league level. Maybe he'll get a chance to play. And then that guy is a 15 to 20 home run power hitter. He's a guy that can steal 10 to 15 bases. Like he has unique skills for a catcher. He's very athletic. It's why they've tried him in the outfield so much. Uh, if he could, you know, get it done. And by that, I mean, just stay healthy, stay in the lineup and be who he is. That is certainly someone that, as a catcher, too, is going to pay dividends in the second half. Yeah, Stephen Vote is the only other catcher, I think, on that roster right now. And, you know, he's, what, 38? I mean, he's ancient for a catcher, so it's not like you're going to give him a lot of starts. It's time to just find out what you have with our show. And, and Ray, as you noted, they've tried him in the outfield and, and you know, catcher, obviously. And the fantasy game, you'd love to see him keep that catcher eligibility. So this will allow him to do that going into next year. Uh, which is one positive if you want to look ahead to 2022 already. But also this speaks to how quickly things can change in baseball. Like Carson Kelly kind of seen as the future. If he, you know, he has this injury, he misses a month plus. If Varsho hits, maybe he becomes very quickly the catcher of the future. Cause yeah. you really don't want both these guys on the roster trying to catch you. You want one of them. And then the other guy you move to a different position or you move to another team, but you know, that's, that's how quickly it can change. All of a sudden, Varsho has this opportunity and can become the new guy for Arizona. Yeah, they could they could do – we're both going to catch both these guys and play them in the outfield too. That's I – mean, when I, does that happen? When Especially is the last they time? they trade Marte and start moving him around. I, and, and, so they, there could be a, a center field spot open in a month or so too. There could be, yeah. That, that team is terrible, and they got a – you know, they had a plan and it didn't work. And uh, let's say you're right. I mean, it just didn't. And so Eduardo Escobar could get trade. I mean, they got a lot of pieces. So the, let's just hope that, like we're saying, whether they catch Varsha the rest of the season or they move into the outfield once Kelly is back, that they let him play. And if he hits 200, he hits 200. Like you said, they've, they've got no reason not to let him go out there and try to figure this out. Their team is awful. And he needs to be a piece of that future. And if he's not, they got to figure that out. Moving from news and notes in the fourth spot to our fifth spot in the lineup, it's time for a player profile, and it's uh, Mr. Home Run over the last week or so. It's it's a player profile of Kyle Schwarber, now of the Nationals. And for those who missed it, three home runs on Sunday. Um, now as a leadoff hitter, 
Um, he's let off in nine of 10 games. And in those nine games as a leadoff hitter, he's got nine home runs. So Ray, time to talk about Kyle Schwarber. Is there anything different here or is this just a good run for Schwarber? Yes. Second thing. Um, <laughs> his batting average right now with this tremendous work is uh, what? Nine points off his career mark. His on-base percentage is 10 points off his career mark. His OPS is 24 points off his career mark. The strikeout rate is half a percent off his career mark. This is who he is overall. It's not who he is of late. It wasn't who he was early on. You know, this is who he is. And the, the advantage of Schwarber is that we really do have a pretty good picture of who he is. And who he is is he's Jock Peterson with a better ability to get on base. That's really who he is. And, you know, with both these guys, when they're hot, you know, we talk about it. Jock Peterson what, had a two-week stretch where he had, you know, five home runs, was batting 400. Like, this, this happens with these guys that have the, this approach, which is kind of the three outcome. It's the walk, strikeout, it's the home run. Um, I don't see anything definitive in Schwarber's game right now that suggests he's anything different than he has been. I also don't think there's anything when you look at his numbers that suggested he was as bad as he was a week ago, right? So yeah. this is just really a leveling off and people need to now be careful. You, you don't want to make a trade to add Schwarber now because if you do that, you're paying such a premium for a guy that basically has just become who he should be. And if you're an owner, you know, you just ride the wave and yeah. understand that, you know, it's going to slow. It could be, you know, another three weeks of that coming up really quickly. And then there'll be another couple of weeks of good. I had, I had kind of forgotten Ray, how good his 2019 was. Yeah. Like it, it was, I mean, 38 homers, 92 ribbies, 82 runs, and even a 250 average, which is his career high. Um, are, are any of those things doable? Cause that, that's a huge year. And He's not on that pace. I guess he may be with home runs right now. Um, and if they're going to lead him off, he can't really get the ribbies. You could get the runs scored. But I, I almost look at that 2019. It's like, oh, yeah, he had a really good year. Maybe he could do it again in 2021. Okay. Yeah. So to answer your question, could he do that? He could. But here's what I would say. He certainly has the power to do it and the skills to do it. He has been, and, and you know, if you look at a rolling three-year home run to fly ball average. So you take three years, you add it up. What's the average? That is a very good, very strong indicator of what year four is going to be. So if we look at the last three years, that number should be you know very close to telling us what we should expect this year. Now there's variations, right? But any variation over more than about 5% on that, you really have to start digging in to see what's going on because it should be stability there. Mm -hmm. As a rookie, it was 24.2%. In 2017, it was 24.0%. Now the last three years, 24.5, 24.1, 25.6. You cannot find, you cannot find a more consistent run to fly ball ratio guy <laughs> over the span of five years than him. You can't, you won't find it. Go look, search the entire bit. You won't find it. Now it's 31.6%. So it's possible. He has the ability to maintain this. It's possible. But as you and I know, there's usually two, maybe three guys each year that are over 30%. And again, this is over 5% of more than a 5% jump that I just referenced too. And there's extreme levels of consistency. So that one number, if it pulls back to where it should be, and then you look at his fly ball rate, which is slightly down from his career level, it makes it unlikely he'll get to that home run total, but it's not impossible. Well, and the other thing some people might say, oh, but he doesn't get a, a summer at Wrigley this year. Um, hey man, Nationals ballpark, it's it's playing like Wrigley. It's uh, It's been huge for offense this year. And Schwarber in his first year with the Nationals certainly taking advantage of it. Do you think he stays at leadoff? I, I mean, now they have to leave him there. I mean, mm -hmm. he's hitting well. But do you think he's 
I kind of look at the, the Nationals, right? And I think that's their best option is to keep, even when he slumps, you know, just keep Schwarber up there as your leadoff guy. I think it's really interesting because um, he, he does have the ability to get on base and, and you know, that really should be the goal of the leadoff hitter. Uh, do you want him clogging the bases up in front of Trey Turner? I don't know. I mean, I don't think he clogs them up. I mean, you sure? He's not the fastest dude, but okay. hey, he can move. He's an outfielder. He, he moves around pretty good in the field and, yeah, and on the base pass. Okay. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I don't want Trey Turner having to hold up because dude can't get around third base to score. Um, I, you know, if that's the way they want to play it, I don't have, I don't have a problem with that. I've said this all along. I, you know, I'm a Victor Robles Mark and he's been terrible. I wish that they would put Robles up and put him at the top of the order because he has speed, because he can get on base. His on base change is, you know, usually pretty solid. And I think he needs protection if that's a thing. I don't think Kyle Schwarber needs protection, right? Like Kyle Schwarber is who he is. He's hitting fifth, sixth, doesn't matter. I think Robles hitting eighth or ninth, they're doing him no favors. I think if they put Robles up at the top and he's in front of Turner and Soto, I think that's an advantage that helps Robles. So I think they could construct this differently. I don't, I'm not saying they will. And in fact, they probably won't. Let's keep the line chugging. See, Kyle Schwarber is not going to clog up our show, Ray. We're, we're just going to keep moving right past him from the five to the six spot. <laughs> uh, weekly uh, check-in on some waiver wire bidding, most notably the winning waiver wire bids. We uh, always uh, give a look-see at the SiriusXM Host League. Both Ray and I are a part of that league. I'm starting to catch up a bit to you, Ray. I can finally see you. Um, in the standings, I'm, I'm I'm slowly but surely making up some ground. We're sliding too. We're done. Yeah, but both you and I um, added a player. Um, I probably overspent, but pitching's been my issue all year. So I'm I'm kind of chasing pitching and trying to find two start pitchers, hot streaks, all that stuff. Um, I ended up forty two dollars on Ross Stripling. I don't even know if he got another bid, uh, but he's got a two start week this week. Um, so I'm I'm going to take my shot on Ross mm-hmm. Stripling. Um, 42 bucks. Again, I, I, I probably could have got them for 20, I bet, but I wanted to make sure I got them. So I had to go to that direction. Oh, no, I think that's a good addition. Um, I did some work on Saturday over at the side of thing and uh, mentioned stripling myself. And I said, look, this is a guy that you should be looking at. Uh, I think I wrote about him on Friday, too. Um, he's been really good. He, you know, he started out incredibly slowly. And, uh, you know, maybe everyone remembers him yelling at Joe Panic from the last outing. But what they should take away is that. The last five times out there, his ARA is two and a half. His whip is in the nine point nines, and he's got to strike out an inning. Like, this is a guy too that when he was with the Dodgers was very good, right? He was good for years, and then he kind of lost his way and such. But um, did you overspend maybe a little? But like you said, you needed the guy, and you know we've all been to the waiver wire looking at pitching, um, and unless you want to grab Carlos Martinez or Cal Contrell, like what are you grabbing? So I I'm fully supportive of throwing an extra twenty bucks at a guy to make sure you get him. Uh, your ad was an outfielder from right there in the Bay Area, Stephen Duger for 17 bucks. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I don't know what your team is like health-wise, but our, our team is a disaster right now. Yeah. Outside of not having uh, Mike Trout, mm-hmm. which is significant, yeah. everything's pretty good. Uh, that's a huge hit. But, yeah, <laughs> we, we, we currently have Jeff McNeil on the IL. He's supposed to be back this week. But Jeff McNeil, Andrew Benintendi, Alex Bregman, Corey Seager, uh, Michael Kopech, John Means, Steven Strasburg, Madison Bumgarner, like we're just yeah. beat up. And when you look in the outfield, we lost Ben Intendi, who, you know, is not great, but he's been really good for two months, month and a half now, right? Like really good. And so we needed a little bit of a boost out there. And Duggar is, you know, someone who there's there, all these giants are like the same guy, it seems like, right? But the last month he's hitting 351 with a thousand OPS. 
in the last two weeks, a couple of home runs, three steals, batting 333. He is performing very well right now, and we need him in the outfield. You know, uh, in terms of money, uh, Ted Schuster, your buddy there, mm -hmm. um, boy, 121 on Patrick Sandoval. He also added Caleb Smith for 31, so 150 plus dollars on Caleb Smith and Patrick Sandoval. Yeah, I bid on Sandoval in another league too. I'm trying to remember what he went for. I, I bid, I got him in one league at, I think it was 78. And then I bid in another league and didn't get him at 33. So that I thought that that price is aggressive. I would have rather gone the third route and gotten stripling like you did, Cal. Um, but Sandoval's clearly been pitching very well of late. He does have the six man rotation thing. So that, you know, slows him a bit. Um, but hey, as we're saying, you know, we're at the point of the year where you got to get you got to get your guys and hope they stay healthy. Right. If, if you if you keep getting guys and they keep getting hurt, well, there's nothing anyone can do. But I think, you know, Ted has basically slipped out of uh, first place and he was in first place for a long time. Uh -huh. So I think he's just trying to shore up a pitching staff, which is a weakness. Some other uh, notable names, um, J.P. Crawford for six bucks. And Ray, I think that's I mean, anybody at six bucks who's hitting 280 or anybody with a handful of homers, a couple of steals, anybody's worth six bucks. But Crawford's been pretty decent this year. Not great. He's not going to move the earth with this addition. I think Steve Phillips made it, but for six dollars, I like that. And then Carlos Santana also for seventeen dollars. The guy is is stuck in a deep rut, but you figure a vet like Santana is going to come out of it. Now's the time to add him if you can. So I kind of like that ad too. There's been some weird moves in this league. I got to be honest with you. People at, dropping players. I'm just very surprised by because it's a twelve person league, right? Um, I, I bid on Crawford. I had a $17 bid on him. He was lower in my bid tree than Duggar. So mm -hmm. I didn't, obviously didn't get him. Uh, but Crawford is blazing for the last month. And in, the real problem for him is that, you know, he's not a power guy, really. He's certainly not a stolen base guy. It's He's on the worst team in baseball offensively. The Mariners are terrible. Um, and his hit tool doesn't support what we're seeing. It just doesn't. But I would have said the same thing three weeks ago, two weeks ago, last week. And, you know, yeah. again, he's been very good. And for that price point, you're absolutely right. That's a tremendous addition. Yeah, you can tell nobody was sold on the dude six bucks. It's like yeah. everybody's yeah. very hesitant with Crawford. Like I said with Santana, this is an average league. It's not an OBP league. So you don't get that boost. But uh, I think Santana is going to be out there pretty well every day for the for the Royals. So not a bad guy to have on your team because he, he will have a couple of runs before the season is out. And you're going to be happy that you had him uh, again. Those weekly waiver bids uh, are done every Sunday night, like so many leagues out there in terms of the standings, because Ray and I were talking about that uh, currently in first, I think we got Howard Bender who has pulled ahead by a big amount. Howard's been red hot. And we, we were talking about him. Uh, gosh, about a month ago, Ray, and he was blowing the budget on fab. Mm-hmm. And I think he's still blown most of that budget. So we'll see if he can survive to the finish line. But uh, he's pretty even on both. And then we've got a couple of teams, Ted and Eric Alter Halterman. Um, they're fighting back and forth at second and third. And then it's kind of a mix of five, six, seven teams in the 60s and 70s. And, and there you are, Ray, in fifth place, still within striking distance. But we got to find a way to slow down Howard Bender. Yeah. And again, I'm going to cry me a river. But again, listen to this. Yeah, you, Jeff, got, you got a pretty brutal list there. Jeff McNeil, Andrew Benintendi, Alex Bregman, Corey Seager are on the injured list. Anthony Rendon has been on the injured list multiple times. I didn't even mention him earlier. And, you know, so my offense is just, you know, I'm rolling Willie Calhoun out there in the outfield. because it's like, you know, we got to get somebody. So, you know, Benintendi, I mean, excuse me, McNeil should come back this week. Rendon, let's hope he finally get, is healthy, right, and becomes who he is. Corey Seager's getting close to coming back. And we have Wander Franco on that team. So, 
I think we're in a great position to make a push here if we can just get these damn guys to be healthy. Uh, check out Howard. You know, everybody wants to say, okay, how are you winning? Um, check out his top three starting pitchers, DeGrom, Rodon, and Woodruff. <laughs> that'll win you some pitching categories with those three guys it will and and obviously we <laughs> talked about the concerns with the grom now howard's probably a little nervous too carlos rodon is someone that you know we've all talked about we all know the story and you know all of that so howard not, didn't get lucky but he got lucky anyone that got <laughs> anyone that added rodon it's not you know, anyone got lucky there so yeah it you know the, the pitching component is something and i've been telling people this in the chat room and everything at fantasy guru that you know it's a long season because people complain about injuries like i just did it's just a long season and you have to commit yourself this year more than ever before to playing out the string and i'm telling you if you keep making moves every week if you keep on top you're gonna finish top five like i have no doubt you're gonna finish top five in your league and i think you've got a legitimate chance to finish higher than that because this is a, it's a battle of attrition in 2021 move to the seven spot in our starting nine it's a, a chance to check in on the article that rob povia puts out every weekend then he updates it throughout the week over at uh, fantasy guru uh the weekly planner and uh, we like to spotlight a few things that jump out to us and i i can guarantee that my friend ray flowers probably enjoyed the uh, beginning of rob's article because yes. ray you love doing this I do. Play, play who am i player a player b uh you know where you throw out mm -hmm. a variety of stats and you try to shock people mm -hmm. with wow this guy's actually Hey, Rob has a good rundown of that with pitching for this week. He, he does. Well, who am I? I love that. Yeah. Um, and in fact, Rob, you might have taken that title from me. Um, <laughs> now, how many of these did you? I don't know if you've read the entire yeah. article, but these were difficult ones. They, they were very, they're very difficult, especially even the, the one offensive one right at the top. Um, this is, this is, these are, are great. Uh, they're great examples of what you should be doing as a fantasy player, right? You should you want to know who the player is and their pedigree. And I'm not saying that isn't important, but you want to look deeper than that. And a lot of people, they get blinded either by the pedigree or they get blinded by the surface numbers. And I think it's great with Rob too, because when he, when he's doing these things, it's not just ERA, he lists FIP and XFIP and Sierra and walk rates and hit rates and line drive rates. Like he did a really deep dive here. And again, Rob, you should be doing like three articles a week. Um, yeah. But yeah, that should have been an entire article. It's just fantastic. And um, he also is an expert at, uh, you know, setting up the article with the A and B tabs. Like, I have no idea how to make that happen. <laughs> um, but he sure does. And it works, looks pretty, pretty spiffy. Yeah, he's uh, got to look to it. Uh, games and two start pitchers, as always. It is worth noting White Sox, Angels. Um, I think it's the Giants and the Rockies all with five games this week. Um, and he kind of makes the point, Ray, your men Mercedes is unplayable this week. Because mm -hmm. in, in weekly setups, because not only is he slumped like crazy, but with just five games, and I think they may even go to the National League for a game or two. I'd have to double check that. But in effect, Mercedes has gone from the hottest thing in fantasy baseball for really the first six weeks to now six weeks later. It's like, ugh, do, do you even play him in a weekly setup? Yeah, his OPS over his last 161 plate appearances is 507 which is, you know, Madison Bumgarner-like. I mean, it's just bad. And, you know, we it was predicted, let's be honest. We sat here on this show, and and, and we sat here on SiriusXM, and you and I had the backs and forths about where's he going to end up. And um, I'm not surprised that the numbers are down. The numbers where they're at right now is kind of what I expected them to be, not what I expected them to be today. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I'm even – I think even my pessimism is going to be blown past because he's – not been a free out, but it's been pretty close for over a month. It's the proverbial book 
being out on your men Mercedes. Um, the other team with five games was Seattle. Um, that's the one I had to add here. So the White Sox, Angels, Mariners, uh, Giants, and Rockies all with five games. And there's also the quick note in there from Rob. Um, Houston moving to a six-man rotation because Ray Jake Odorizzi is back. And I guess we'll see a lot of that for the Astros. Now, don't believe for a second that means for the next three months they're going to be six-man because, Ray, we know an injury will probably happen by Wednesday with with this rotation but for the time being it sounds like the astros are going to try to get everybody an extra day of rest yeah i wrote on that last week too and um, a lot of teams they 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 make this move and it's more of a short-term thing because they're looking at the schedule they're looking at their players you know they're welcoming Mm -hmm. odorizzi back where is he at they're still making sure mccullers is up to full speed they don't have days off so it's something that we're gonna have to pay a lot of attention to every week moving forward because a lot of teams are probably going to do this heavily as the innings wear, wear, down, wear up, as the pitch counts move up. Because remember, all of these guys, even the stars, no one threw more than 70 innings, 75. Like, they just didn't do it last year. When these numbers start getting up in the 130s, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of teams went in this direction. It is the uh, weekly planner. And again, it goes up every single weekend. And then it's updated throughout the week. So a lot of, a lot of pitching things as pitching changes happen. Uh, Rob will be able there. Um, updating it so check it out on the mlb page over at uh, fantasy guru uh, we now move to our random reference which causes us to move to baseballreference.com, and we just uh, pull up a random page and see where it takes us got to be 1980 to the present um, sometimes we get players often though we get box scores because hey there's like millions and millions of games that you can randomly pull up and Ray, we got a box score today, August 25th of uh, 2010, which, dare I say, Ray and I were probably on air that day. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a Wednesday night. We were probably doing the probably, show. Yeah. Probably talking football, though, in August. Um, we probably weren't talking about the Cardinals on the road at Pittsburgh. Uh, Pirates win it 5-2. to two. Uh, The Pirates, this is back in 2010, and Ray, this is a very similar record to uh, what they are now. Uh, it, that, that win they got in, in the end of August of 2010 moved them to 43 and 84. So more, more of the same for the pirates, but this was the early days of Andrew McCutcheon. Um, the early days, if you will, of Neil Walker of Pedro Alvarez, um, even Jose Tabata, we might as well throw in the early yeah, days, that's of true. Him. but yeah, yeah. this was starting the, the ramp up, I guess, for that little blip in the, in the franchise where the pirates were like very good for four or five years. Yeah. And uh, you know, I mean, a guy like Tabata was a player that, then they signed him to, a, I'm trying to remember, a contract extension, and then he just dumpered. Mm-hmm. Like, he, you know, like they had some high hopes, hit almost 300 as a rookie, and, you know, he never developed beyond that. But, yeah, they had a, they had a, they've done this multiple times over the last, you know, 15 years, right, where they've had a group of players and you kind of got excited. And Andy LaRoche, he's another guy that was there. Andy LaRoche was a the guy they were going to build <laughs> around, right? He did absolutely nothing. Um, they, you know, this – this is what happens. You, you bank on some high-level prospects. They don't come through. If you're a team like the Pirates, you can't spend your way out of it, and it causes problems. Yeah, for the Cardinals, uh, this was uh, in the glory days of Pujols, near the end of his run, actually, in St. Louis. Uh, Matt Holiday was with the team. That might have been after the trading deadline when they had it Holiday from the Oakland A's. No, that was 09, yeah. So he, this was his first full year in 2010. It was an all-star season for Matt Holiday. Uh, ended up with a 922 um ops that season so the cardinals though didn't have it that day against pittsburgh uh pitching wise you look at this and um well jake westbrook you know boring jake westbrook um and i'm looking at these pirates guys um i've heard of them but right this is terrible (laughs) daniel mccutcheon chris race up 
Will Ledesma, uh-huh. Evan Meek, and Joel Hanrahan. I guess there was a moment where Joel Hanrahan yeah. was kind of a thing. In there was. Absolutely, there was. And there was also a moment when Jake Westbrook was a thing. How you blew past him. I mean, 2004, 5, and 6, he won 14, 15, and 15 games through 210 innings each year. You know, his ratios were just blah. But, you know, 15 wins, 200 innings, there's something yeah. to see there. Well, well, Hanrahan became a thing the next year. Um, in 2011, 40 saves for Joel Hanrahan. The, the year. year after that, 36. There you go. Yeah. And then he was out of baseball by the time of 2014. I think he <laughs> blew out his arm. 10 innings um, later, yeah. Yeah, I think he blew out his arm when he joined Boston and, and never came back. That, that was the end of it. So think about that. 76 saves in 2011-2012, and his final season in baseball is 2013. Again, that's how quickly things can change. Uh, That is our random reference for this edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast. We close it down with our stamp of approval. Uh, Ray, what gets the thumbs up from you today? It wouldn't be Ray Flowers if it wasn't some positive and some negative, so might as well stay on brand here, Kyle. The positive is going home. I was really excited. We got this new puppy, right? He's he's going to be nine months old this week. Uh, Ollie's an Australian Shepherd, and you know we take him out all over the place. We take him on five six mile hikes. He loves it. So we're going to take him to my old home, Foster City. It's where I grew up. It's right on the bay. There's tons of trails right along the bay. You can walk there. You know, breathe the air in. There's places for on dirt for him to run and everything. Well, they're worried about Foster City um, if there's an issue with sea level rise because Foster City like at sea level or technically below it, it's on landfill. Mm. So they're, they're worried about any rise there causing problems with the city. So they're in essence, fortifying the city with, a, you know, the Dutch boy is going to have a whole dike to put his thumb in. They're building the whole <laughs> thing around the city. And I didn't know this. They closed the entire walking paths down. Oh, so we get out there and I get the dog out of the car and he sees his first duck and he's jumping around. It's the greatest thing ever. Ducks, you know, flying away. And we go to the walking path closed off. So I get, uh, we get back in the car because I, I know I lived there for 20 years. Drive back down the street to the next spot. It's closed off. Drive to the next spot. It's closed. They closed the whole damn thing down. I bet so, your dog thought you were an idiot. Like, yeah. oh, gosh, my owner's been talking about this place forever. Right? He doesn't even know where he's going. We take him out. We kept taking him out of the car for five minutes at a time. because <laughs> we. Um, so anyway, it was great to show my old home to him. He did love the ducks. He did not want to leave when he saw the ducks. But a uh, little bit of negativity because we couldn't really. Enjoy. Yeah. Um, my stamp of approval has to do with like, getting out and enjoying things, too. Um, stamp of approval is this knowing somebody who owns a swimming pool you never want your own swimming pool never but you always want to know somebody with a swimming pool and luckily ray my uh, father-in-law has one and so yesterday for father's day we were hanging out there he did some grilling and got to hang out in the swimming pool and i mentioned that the temperature yesterday you know it's the mid 90s when you're at a pool ray you don't even feel it yeah and and the great thing is you get out of the pool you dry off you go home and you don't have to worry about upkeep on the pool Oh, it's, I love it. It's because I, I don't know anybody who enjoys the upkeep on a pool. It's really a pain in the back backside. Uh, everybody loves a pool and the idea is great, but they're not often as fun as they kind of seem in the pamphlets. Yeah. Chlorine prices are skyrocketing. True story. Uh, I was talking to Jeff Manns about it because he has a pool. My mom has a pool. It's up like 400% in the last year. <laughs> so it's like really expensive now to clean your pool. Jeff's remodeling his backyard. Jeff thinks it's odd that people want to come and hang out. He doesn't like pool parties because he says no one wants to hang out with you. They just want to use you for your pool. Exactly. Like, kind yeah, of I don't want to. Yeah. If, if I live next to Jeff, right, I'd never yeah. want to hang out when he's there, but yeah. I'll okay. right. hang out at his pool. Yeah, pools are great as long as you don't have to take care of them. You're totally right about that one. Yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you have anybody that, that you can 
you know, pretty yeah. well invite yourself over to their pool once yeah, my, in a while. My mom does. Yeah. And she's okay. got a hot tub. I used to use the hot tub more than the pool when I, when I lived there. Um, but yeah, she's got a pool that, and she always says, Hey, come jump in. They usually have it heated because they have my brothers over there with the kids all the time. Um, this point in time, the year, it, they didn't have it on this past weekend, but it was 95 degrees. So it didn't matter. And th- it was funny that the, the spoiled kids, cause they tested the temperature of the pool, the spoiled kids were freezing in the pool that was 78 degrees. And I said, guys, I go to the gym and swim laps. The pool is 78 degrees. Suck it up. Yeah. Well, Ray, you're an old man. You know, you, you grew up in tough times. You, you had to, to build a thick skin. Those kids don't have that yet. True. Okay, well, hey, it's the start of summer. It's pool season time. So hopefully Ray's out there more. Hopefully I'm out there more. Hopefully you're uh, hanging out at the pool. Uh, before we get out of here, Ray, where can the uh, listeners find you away from this podcast? Yeah, they can find it, both of us on SiriusXM Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays on the Fantasy Drive. It's 10 to 12 on Friday nights. It's 3 to 5 Saturday and Sunday. Those are all Eastern times. You can find me, obviously, at FantasyGuru.com, uh, writing articles. I'm in the chat room all the time. This is a free podcast, so if you didn't know, Kyle and I you know, we do this every Monday. Uh, come, join it, come join the fun at the website. There's articles. There's an open chat room, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, we also have EliteFantasy.com. Uh, we introduced the Smash tool over there. And Kyle, you're hosting live streams over there still too, right? Yeah, I got live streams uh, Monday, Thursday, Friday, uh, getting people set up for the night in baseball. Uh, obviously, the main focus is on DFS. And you mentioned those tools, which I know a lot of people have been uh, taking a look at, taking advantage of. That's all geared towards the DFS people. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll do the uh, live stream uh, coming up a bit later today. Um, as for me, outside of live stream, I'm hanging out with Ray over on SiriusXM. And I'm, you know, jumping in the pool. Not my pool, but other people's pool all the time. Uh, That'll do it for us on this edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast. Does it for the podcast. Does it for the show. Does it for a little fantasy baseball talk. Hopefully we did it for you. We will see you next week. Hopefully we're not talking about another injury to Tatis or DeGrom. Let's cross our fingers on that. Uh, We will see you next Monday. Kyle Offering, Ray Flowers. It's the Baseball Elite Podcast, courtesy of FantasyGuru.com.